guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. So this week's Walking Wellness episode is sponsored by Nine Mills from Anarchy, who are a vegetable stock brand that make their products with actual vegetables. They have over 75% vegetables, which is 10 times more than most available, and they have half the salt of most of the available veg stocks on the market. They are palm oil-free, gluten-free, sugar-free, organic, and vegan. Each jar makes 14 portions, so that's seven liters of vegetable stock, which is a lot. And they are so easy to add to so many different meals. I love using them for my meals that I use for batch cooking, like soups and stews and curries. Same. This is definitely going into my weekly ramen meal. Um, So they have three amazing flavors. The original veg stock, which is quite universal, a big hit of flavor, elevating everything else around it. The garden herb, which is a delicious mix combining the depth of hardier cooking herbs along with freshness of softer ones. And my favorite is the umami, the savory moorishness and lovely rich base note that makes all the best foods so good. If you want to try Nine Meals from Anarchy, go to www.ninemealsfromanarchy.co.uk. There is free postage with orders of three or more jars and we will add all the details to the show notes of this episode. Enjoy! Hi guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. We are very excited to have our intern Elle on with us today, registered associate nutritionist and yoga teacher. Hi Elle. Hi there, so happy to be here today. We are really excited to have you on. One, to introduce you to the Forking Wellness community, but then two, to really talk about, you know, you're in this interesting, you know, yoga teacher and registered nutritionist and how can we like kind of combine those two to paint a better picture of overall wellness yeah oh that's good excited to talk about it through today so which one came first yoga or nutrition um in terms of actually getting qualified yoga first so I actually did that in between my third and fourth year of my undergraduate degree so um I was in North Wales at the time and so a lot of the UK-based trainings which are quite often over a period of a few weeks like quite a lot of people do them as a weekend course um and they just sort of weren't really accessible for someone living in North Wales so um what I did is you can do intensive courses that are over the summer um or essentially a period of four weeks so I saved up my money I disappeared off for pretty much the entirety of August um and did my training and then actually my yoga teacher work actually kind of paved the way for me to do my um, nutrition degree it just like I essentially used teaching to save up to go back to university the following year that's so interesting so first of all I always find it so funny you you were in uni where Mark went to uni um, <laughs> in North Wales, um, which is just so funny because like, I feel like no one knows where that is um, so <laughs> I love that um, mm-hmm. But so how did you get into yoga? Were you, was it something that you did as like a child? Like, were you always interested in it? Does anyone do yoga as a child? I did. <laughs> I swear. 
on my life. That's pretty hard to believe, Barry, being that you can't do this. I literally, (laughs) for anyone who like can't see us, I like can't bind my arms at all. Um, But no, my parents used to have like a yoga teacher come to the house, like a private yoga teacher, like at nights because they they worked and they can never make it to classes. And they went through a phase where they did yoga um, for like stress and stuff. And I used to do it with them. Um, but then I, I used to fall asleep during Shavasana. So then I <laughs> stopped. Um, but yeah, no, I did yoga as a kid. Oh, that's so cool. No, I, um, I did gymnastics as a kid, which I think had a big, um, impact on why I liked yoga because on a purely egotistical sense, um, I had this level of flexibility that I never would have had if I'd not done gymnastics. I don't think I'm a naturally flexible person. And although that's not the important bit of yoga, when you first start it, the fact that I had some strength, particularly for doing sort of um, body weight positions, if that makes sense, the things like your planks, um, your lunges, all those sort of shapes you have. Um, And also, the fact that I had this level of flexibility that your average person starting um, maybe doesn't have, that gave me a big ego boost, let's say, and that made me enjoy yoga from the get-go because I could kind of do some of the more basic poses. I mean, I wasn't necessarily doing them right, um, and that was just the physical side of it, but it did help. I actually uh, started when I was either 16 or 17. My mum was going to a a local yoga class, just like in the school hall near to, to where they live, and I seem to remember going quite willingly. I've been told I was sort of dragged along after sort of a few months worth of um, trying to persuade me to come along. But as soon as I went to that first yoga class, there was just something about it that I just loved it straight away. I Something just clicked. It just felt like the kind of movement that I really enjoyed. I, I loved that there was this sort of mindfulness element sort of in terms of starting, particularly with the class we went to, should start with a five minute meditation, should always make sure there's plenty of time for your shavasana at the end. So it's the mindfulness aspect of it was lovely and so it just kind of really went from from there and uh I, it was kind of going to these village hall classes or practicing in my room and then later in my university halls residence which uh never never a particularly roomy but sort of made it work on my little, <laughs> little five pound mat that I picked up from TK Maxx and just really went from there which was great <laughs> amazing I love that and do you like was it the mental benefits as well that you kind of saw quite quickly? Because I know there's a lot associated with that, which we can talk about in more depth in a bit. But that kind of like you said, you love the mindful element of it. Was it like you came out feeling like it really had this like psychological impact on you? Yeah, no, I love I love that side of, of yoga. And um, even though I think the physical vibe was the thing that drew me to it, I did love that you and particularly actually the breath work was the big thing I really liked of even even if you weren't putting in like say breath work practice into your class the fact that you have this particular style of breathing that you do in, in yoga um, called Jijai breath and even if you can't quite do that because it can take a little bit of practice even the whole aspect of just sort of slow breaths in and out through the nose that just felt amazing whether I was you know sat still or whether I was going through a harder sort of flow or a harder posture that always felt really good and there's a particular feeling I think you get when you come out of a yoga class that you just feel amazing and I just love that so I just kept coming back for more yeah I love that I definitely have felt that like wave of like calmness leaving a yoga class um but the breathing that you mentioned is really interesting is that like the deep 
like I get confused between like the shallow breathing and then Mm -hmm. like the deep breathing but we know that deep breathing techniques are a great way to um reduce kind of cortisol levels or like that flight or fight or flight sensation in our body um and really reduce overall stress but Mm -hmm. which breathing is it is that like the shallow breathing or like the deep breathing I wonder also sorry to that's adding on to my question, two-part question. So if I wonder if this is like any related to like the pregnancy breathing. I was just about to say that because it's actually such a skill. Like when you first, when they talk about the breathing in preparation for pregnancy or birth, it's actually really difficult, especially because your lung capacity is affected when you're pregnant as well, because your baby's like, you know, essentially decreasing it. Um, To breathe in for like six and breathe out for eight is actually quite challenging and you do need to practice it mm-hmm. but yeah going if you could answer various questions Sorry, just about like the pregnancy sh- stuff yeah, yeah no I want to know as well <laughs> yeah no it's it's mostly that that deeper breath and um actually interestingly that pregnancy yoga is the next bit of training I'd love to do once um once I don't even know if many of them are open at the moment with mm-hmm. sort of current restrictions so that's the next bit I'd like to do but yeah with the breath it is typically quite a deep breath. It's not necessarily for a set, um, set amount of counts unless your teacher's particularly cueing you in for that. But it's a really deep breath in through the nose and it's quite slow. And the best way to describe the way you're breathing out, it's almost imagining as though you're sighing out, but your lips are closed. So it still comes out through your nose, although it kind of, it has that back of the throat feel, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> and it's, because it's that slower, deeper breath, it's again, it's engaging, like you say, that parasympathetic nervous system, but it's also just helping you to move through those flows and to also even keep your pace because yoga can be a little bit slower and steadier movements and to have the breath sort of guiding that. So yeah, the the counts can be really quite long. So if the yoga teacher says, oh, we're just holding this pose for five more breaths, it's probably like a good 30 seconds a minute or or more. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's interesting as well because I used to suffer really badly of panic attacks and I remember speaking to one of my mum's friends who was a counsellor and you know everyone like when you're panicking they're like take a deep breath and when you're in that state of panic you go (gasps) and then you like as you breathe in you're supposed to inflate your stomach to take in the air whereas so many people breathe in and like tuck their tummy in at the same time that's like the complete wrong way of doing it right (laughs) yeah I I, thought it's whenever you um if you're a kid and you're parents would always say breathe in I swear it's because of that yeah <laughs> and they're like <gasps> <laughs> but yeah no especially at the start of the class will often be like big with um big bellies you know I think you know especially when we sat down we kind of get a bit uh perhaps them you know especially women we maybe don't want to be seen that we've got bellies even though you know everyone does <laughs> and so actually quite often you'll get yoga teachers encouraging you to just really let like let expand it yeah focus on on that and have enough like you say room for getting your lungs inflated as possible yeah amazing and then what is the shallow breath used more for Mm. so that's to be honest less used in yoga practices but okay or or at least the physical side of the yoga practice so what's called the asana um side of yoga there are some technique so I think the main one I think of with the shallow breathing is um if I'm giving it the right name is fire breath so it's kind of you almost don't think about the inhale it's a very weird it's a very particular technique and you can't do it for more than a few seconds but it's kind of like a series of rapid exhales um that 
certain teachers will maybe bring into a class, maybe if it's a sort of fire sort of building class or that's the theme of it. And it just kind of gets things going, but it can get you feeling quite light, uh, lightheaded. So it's not, not so much one that you would do um, for longer periods of time, but some people like to start off a class like that or even start off, you know, a morning practice, you know, if they just wake up, they might, that might be how they start their day. So those kind of fire breaths are used less often, but they do kind of get, get you feeling revved up, I guess. Yeah. I've done that style breathing in like Pilates mm. more, um, certain Pilates teacher, like when you like pulse the, sorry, yeah. that's like the worst ASMR ever for anyone listening in audio. I'm so sorry. It's more like a, isn't it like a, yeah. Like, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> sorry, I'm, clearly I'm not like trained in breath work. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's kind of where I, I've been exposed to that. So that's really interesting. Um, but to go back to say your your yoga paved the way for your nutrition. Um, I know you're saying like it helped paid for your degree, but was there like an aspect of like you, you were introduced to kind of more um, holistic health or nutrition or anything like that that sparked the interest? Yeah, I'd say yes and no. So I had, I nearly did a dietetics degree as my undergraduate, which I'm sort of, as I'm now 25 years old, and I'm still, you know, I'm a new graduate. So I'm slightly kicking 18 year old me for for not going down the dietetics route straight away, just for saving a few years worth of study. But um, when I was sort of getting into yoga, I think, especially because that was, I think, I'm guessing it was around 2015-ish, maybe a bit earlier, but I think you had a lot of the whole um clean eating and things was coming out and and I think on the one hand yoga can have some really good benefits for being really interested in health and like you say like quite holistic way um you know generally not too overtly diet focused although there can be some I suppose say diet culture practices snuck into yoga that you might not immediately notice so in some ways it did help me get really more interested in that nutrition side of things but on the other hand um some, some of the things I was sort of interested in back then, I think were kind of, uh, shall we say, less scientific than I would maybe go for now. So it was a kind of interesting, almost give and take between the between the two and that the, the wider interest in holistic health was definitely like encouraged along by yoga. But I'm also glad that I'm now a few years older, uh, uh, an extra degree down there, and I've got a bit of better of a grounding in, in what's worth knowing shall we say and what's maybe sort of going into the realms of pseudoscience or diet culture and things is a little bit of a funny one really that's so interesting sorry I just want to know like what like can you elaborate on like the the sneaky diet culture aspects of yoga I find that really interesting I'm just picturing you know when you see like yoga retreats advertised and they're like it comes with a seven-day juice cleanse yes, and 100% <laughs> or like water fasting or something like that yeah and I've known people do that and it's interesting actually because I was trying to work out you know like, oh, I've got my nutrition degree I've got my yoga teacher qualification I'd love to do some retreats and when I was trying to like google to see if anyone else was doing them they're all juice like seven yeah, days and that I think that can be the sort of if your sort of stereotype is that a gym person goes into a sort of protein obsessed or macro obsessed um I mean this is very much a stereotype and yeah it's like and, muscle yeah. building protein yeah. shakes and then yoga and juice cleanses, and yeah, and then yoga <laughs> cleanses um 
which I mean, some of them, you know, are to do with traditional practices. And obviously it's important for those to be kind of respected. But a lot of them are brand new. You know, they've come about in the last 10 years. They're just about this. I mean, I suppose some of it's almost to do with purification. But the problem is, it's, it's the reality for most people. It's to do with shedding a few pounds, using throwing the word detox and cleansing around. And I realised there was a lot of lot of that. And even things like the... Um, alkaline eating trend that mm. seems to finally quieten down but that that's something that seemed to be quite popular at the time and I don't know whether it was just because it was prevalent everywhere or if I was just aware of it because of yoga but it did feel like there was more more of that just whole cleanse detox alkalize your body lots of kind of supplements that were probably just you know digging a bigger hole in your wallet than any health benefits that they had 100 yeah because yeah. I feel like there's Oh, sorry, I was gonna say, I feel like there's like a cultural kind of like Ayurvedic message within yoga, which is really great because that's kind of where it was born and we have to respect that. But the way that sometimes it was translated into mainstream, you know, commercialization was very, di- like we have adopted the very diet culture aspects of like um, the original Ayurvedic practices. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's very much being co-opted and That's not the word. You know, necessarily by people who sort of you know are, are coming from sort of the place of understanding, shall we say? So it's a fine line to tread between respecting the practices, but also yeah, I definitely think a lot of it you wouldn't have seen any of the practices that you see in some certain retreats. You know, they're all brand new and they're not really using these practices in the right way. Or yeah, it's it's a little bit of a tricky one, but. Um, but yeah the juice cleanses are definitely something I choose to step away from quite quickly <laughs> definitely so what are some of the short-term versus long-term benefits of practicing yoga so kind of if you do one class mm-hmm. are there any kind of initial benefits from doing that versus actually if you practice it for I don't know ongoing let's say yeah probably short-term particularly if you're only thinking about one or two classes I'd say would probably be having that fact that you're doing a movement class that is generally slower and more controlled um, and that you've got this for most classes you've got this element of uh, mindfulness or breath work um, built in I mean it does depend slightly on the style of class because if you've got a power yoga um, where you're going through your flows quite quickly you're maybe doing a lot of sort of like planking type movements where you're having to really shut up body and core strength that's quite different to maybe a restorative class where you're draping yourself over the uh, sort of yoga bolsters and pillows which definitely will give you an immediate um hopefully an immediate relaxation boost um, but yeah in general i would say the sort of immediate effects of sort of having that that mindfulness element and sort of the hopeful um benefit to, to mental health and potentially lowering cortisol levels, which we'd like. Um, for longer term, I think it's, um, we've again got those continued benefits in that if you are working through it in a in a mindful way, hopefully that's going to continue and be good for you there. But also um, in terms of sort of physical benefits, yoga technically comes under the bracket of weight-bearing exercise, or at least most practices do. So even though it's not... Um, not as sort of high intensity as as weightlifting where you're actually adding the weight you know if you're holding a you know if, if anyone's ever been to a yoga class and you've held a plank or you've held a warrior two so your arms basically out in a t position you've probably felt the shake after a certain amount of time it's definitely challenging yeah it's just different muscle groups but it's that um 
yeah, you know, you're having to usually hold yourself in isometric positions, which we're not, we tend to move through what ranges of movement when, whereas when you hold yourself where you're only moving in a narrow um, movement, it's, it's called isometric movement. And that definitely does um, get those muscles engaged. So you have that kind of strength. And I think if you've ever seen a, te a yoga teacher who's, you know, been teaching for a few decades, a little bit older, maybe just the ones I've seen but they all have amazing arms <laughs> <laughs> well I was literally as you were saying that I was picturing this woman with just like strength in her arms <laughs> so you've got that yeah you've got that definite um benefit and then there's the sort of flexibility or range of movement depending on how you're sort of looking at it in that you know you're not necessarily going to become a circus performer able to you know pretzel yourself in two um but you know inevitably if you're coming to a practice every day where or maybe couple of times a week where you're sort of having these stretches built in because a lot of yoga is those you know stretching poses is you are going to get increased range of mobility which doesn't have to be about doing the splits but if you can do things like touch your toes when you fold over with sort of a relatively small bend in the knees or if you can do a squat relatively close to the ground it's going to be good for your long-term health in terms of sort of being less likely to get injured mm. and hopefully less likely to get aches and pains for various things. Yeah, I always think of my grandma. My grandma, um, she moved down to Florida when, I want to say she was like 60. She's 83 right now. And she moved into like in a retirement community mm. and um, she was really bored of herself. She was like from New York City, went down to Florida, just like a very different pace of life. And she started doing yoga. She never picked it up like prior to this. At 60 years old, she started yoga. She does one to two classes a day because she has time. She does chair yoga now, but like when she was younger, she didn't start with chair. Um, and oh my God, this woman is amazing. Like she plays with her great grandchildren, like on the floor, sits on the floor, will play with them and get up. And my mom's like, I can't even do that. You know, my mom's like 20, 20 years younger than her. Um, and it just kind of, it always reaffirms to me that like, it's never too late to start and you can still reap the benefits of that. Just like joint mobility, flexibility, balance. And for someone who's in their eighties, like those things are so important as, you know, we naturally lose muscle mass and we become more prone to fractures and just having that like core strength as you get older is so important. And I'm not a big yogi, but I'm always like, as soon as I retire, I'm going to get into yoga so I could be like my grandma. I, I, yeah. And I love that. And it really is something that works for every age. And like you say about the chair yoga, one of the studios I used to teach at, um, we had classes for older people we had classes for chair yoga so if you're older or if you have less mobility or you know anything where that made it safer and it, it's amazing how many modifications you can you can make and I think those props are there not necessarily you know they can be made they can make things harder they can make things easier but they're there to fine-tune that practice to you and yeah if you can you know your eight-year-old grandma being able to go from sitting to standing that quick and easy that is that's amazing and that's actually so important I think it's what um I'm sure there's a test that they do and it's where you sort of can you sit up without yeah sitting without using your hands or with only briefly using your hands and I'm sure that's meant to be a marker of like being healthy as you yeah they do that in like eating disorder units to see like um 
the it's like the chair test uh the sit test or something yeah, like that I remember just, doing that in our masters yeah just um, doing it but learning about it yeah exactly <laughs> so just to do with like muscle wasting essentially mm-hmm. um just to measure mm-hmm. someone's yeah muscle capability and strength and stuff so yeah I I completely agree with that I think that's interesting what you said as well about the modifications because I was saying to Barry actually just before we jumped on um there's kind of like when you think of yogis they're like balancing on their arms or like doing all these weird poses and it's like I am never going to be able to do that like I'm very flexible but I'm not that strong um but I do love a good yoga session in terms of just like especially now that I'm pregnant I've been doing a few prenatal uh, yoga stretch classes um literally just on YouTube but it's just such a nice way to tap into those muscles that you don't normally use or stretch out so I think there's value correct me if I'm wrong in just practicing the basics of it and not necessarily having to dedicate yourself to being this like amazing yoga practitioner yeah a hundred percent I mean there is the whole thing about um your your handstands or your sort of trick poses they're not necessarily the yoga the yoga is all the the other little bits I completely agree with that um and I mean to be honest my kind of regular practice at the moment I feel like I'm just doing the same poses over and over again because they're the ones that feel good for me right now in like my sort of day-to-day job I'm sat at a desk all day and it's uh, you know it's at my home office desk so my commute is just essentially up my hallway um, so <laughs> they're kind of doing those very similar movements each time even though there's a wealth of other poses to choose from many of which are a lot fancier those ones are the ones that are probably keeping me comfortable and are actually more useful for sort of a longer or a day-to-day basis so yeah keeping it simple is absolutely fine I'm really Um, glad you said that because I have no desire to ever practice a handstand (laughs) yeah I have to let handstands are my sort of like indulgent thing that I do enjoy doing but I think that is because I'm more of a strength and a flexibility person so I can kind of get that kind of quick satisfaction when you're a yoga teacher so (laughs) yeah but yeah the basics are probably more important and like I know some people who say well I very or so even some yoga teachers um I think actually Shona Virtue will often say well actually I'll just do 15 minutes of yoga in the morning and or the evening yeah every day but then I'll go to the gym to do a dedicated weightlifting session because for her it's actually that little and often they're kind of just ticking things over yeah definitely yeah does yoga sorry you go Barry no no go go I was just gonna say does yoga I was just thinking about the classes and you know sometimes at the end they do like the lying down and breathing thing I never do that bit I'm like I close the YouTube channel I know um <laughs> Barry's face that's Is my that, favorite part like, oh god that's like I just don't have the patience for it but I guess in a way it's kind of meditation so I was just going to ask how meditation ties in with yoga yeah I think in many ways they um I mean you can you can learn meditation separately and you can do sort of additional teacher training in, in meditation separately to to yoga and I mean in London I know you've got um I think it's called just like the London Centre for Meditation or something yeah really. I went there once and never went back yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's all it's just not for me yeah. and then that's fine because there's, there's different ways of doing things and you know not not every single human in the world will have like you know a few thousand years ago will have 
sat down and meditated. So it doesn't mean we all need to do that, that now. You know, it's not like it's a universal practice. Um, I mean, it tends to flow nicer with yoga, partly because they come from that same tradition, that same sort of background, um, but also in that a lot of yoga almost is described as a moving meditation. And particularly when you're doing a flow that's maybe repetitive and it's one breath per movement, um, that's often sort of particularly thought of as that moving meditation because it's you can almost switch off because it almost becomes so automatic that you're just going this pose, breathe in, this pose, breathe out. Um, so even things like the vinyasa that a lot of classes will have. So you, you, um, you're in your plank pose, you lower sort of down through yeah. part of the push up, you lift up into some form of back bend, and then you exhale back into a downward dog. Even those simple form moves can be sort of repeated quite a lot and you can really sort of just get into almost just letting them happen without you having to tune into it. And so that can be thought of in many ways as that sort of meditation. In terms of sort of the more, I guess, dedicated practices is that it's often sort of thought as a way of, I guess, um, setting yourself up for a yoga class. And, you know, especially if you're doing one in a, a city centre studio, you know, someone's probably rushing in from work. Someone is maybe about to go to work. Someone's got a dash home for their kids. You know, it's a lot, a lot of different energies coming into one class. And so having that meditation at the start or something at the start before you get moving, that kind of just brings everyone's energy to one level. So maybe boost someone up a little bit, bring someone down and it's a nice way to start. And then for some teachers, they'll also use that as an opportunity to intention set. So they might offer a theme for the class. Um, so non-attachment is one that quite often gets used, or they might invite you to pick your sort of own intention. And that could be quite nice. So, you know, I know for me, it's pretty much always just be focused on my yoga class and not what I have to do for the rest of the yeah. day. <laughs> there I go. So it's, it can be a very nice way of setting up your class and bringing home that non-physical benefit as well yeah I love that that actually sounds like such a nice way to start the morning um like when I think about it like to enter a yoga class start with some deep breathing set my intention for the day and like start with a nice stretch after like a very still night's sleep like it sounds so good but I don't do it do you know what I mean? It sounds really good on paper. Um, I think I just have to motivate myself to do it. But I was just thinking while you were talking about the benefits of like working from home, being super sedentary and things like posture or really tight hips, um, things like that. Do you think that more people are experiencing that now and could turn to yoga to, to help? Yeah. I've not seen if there's anyone's actually looked into this properly, but I would very much expect that because, yeah. I mean, I know for me that when I was working in the city centre, um, well, I'd either walk when I lived in the city centre or now that I'm sort of so in, in Leeds, it's, I guess, a medium-sized city, um, I'd cycle into the city centre to work. So that would be, um, even though it's downhill on the way there, which was nice, um, <laughs> relatively easy movement, it's getting things moving, whereas now and I know a lot of my colleagues will say well I'll either start working earlier or I'll sleep later so you're not having that time in the morning before you sit down on your desk to get moving so I would very much expect you know a lot of people to be having that extra level of stiffness particularly sort of around the hips um and things so yeah even if it's even if you're not sort of penciling in a long yoga session before or after work every day even just to you know take five minutes every now and again to kind of just sit you can even do it on your chair so you know you just push your chair back from your desk cross 
your leg so that one ankle is resting on top of the other oh, knee. Yeah, I love doing that. Yeah, and that just opens it up so much. And like, you don't even need to really do anything other than just, you know, not be immediately under your desk and hitting, hitting your knee on anything. Yeah. But even is little the, things like that, yeah. Is there benefits when I wake up in the morning? This is so random, but I normally just do like a downward dog and like, just like stretch a little bit, literally for like, a minute or two yeah. is there a benefit in that and just kind of getting out of bed getting your blood flowing a bit more or would oh, you have to do longer yeah. than that yeah, yeah no completely and, and even those little bits of movement are um so essentially the second so we've got fascia our connective tissue that just kind of is almost like a net over pretty much everything in our body and especially our muscles and the way it works is it, it is kind of continually adjusting itself. So, you know, if ever you've been sat down for a while, you stand up and you kind of wince, you grab your legs and, and it, it feels really stiff. That's actually yeah. a build up, just even if you've been sat down for a few minutes. And so if you've been lying down the whole time, that's, you know, that's essentially eight hours. You've been lying in bed. And so, yeah, just have that little wriggle, especially, oh, especially um, down with dog, because that's so- Yeah, know, it feels so nice. Like if I've had a day where I've not done, if I've not done, you know, yoga for a couple of days or I've been sat down a lot and I do a downward dog, I'm like, oh, I can feel my car now. So, yeah, yeah, I like, I don't think there's ever a morning and an evening where I don't just like try and stretch out my whole body. I would feel so stiff getting into bed otherwise. Oh my God. I'm just giggling because you're like, is doing a downward dog when you wake up enough? And I'm just thinking my form of movement when I get up is just walking to the coffee machine and turning it on. I um, always picture you, Barry, like just rolling out. No, I literally and do. like finding your way to the coffee machine. <laughs> I like, honestly, that's such an accurate representation. Um, I'm always in this like weird position where like the dog is somewhere, marked somewhere. And I like, just like sloth out of bed. It really, I do really tuck and I roll. How, out of I bed. love how constant examples come out on this podcast of how polar opposite we are sometimes. 100%. But just like, I love the way you ask the question, like, so getting out of bed, I always do it every morning, just like downward dog one minute. Is that enough? And I'm just here being like, um, so like, should I, is it okay that I can't touch my toes? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like you're getting out of bed, struggling to like press your legs up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing myself, but that's uh, like, I don't know why, like I should. Okay. This week I'm going to set my intention every morning when I get up, um, just like put myself into a downward dog for like not a minute for like do, do you know seconds. what I like doing is like putting my hands on the edge of the bed and then like straightening my back out it's like a flat back yeah that one's really nice yeah why don't you do that I don't think I'm gonna do that one um <laughs> <but> I- <laughs> no. I'm just trying to like picture myself doing that um I think I'm gonna start with the downward dog <laughs> okay let's please let us know how it goes and you could do that whilst because you've got whilst your coffee machine coffee out you can you know the minute or so that it takes to do that have a quick yeah there you go you can still crawl there just do it down with dog when you get there (laughs) just like stay down there just go hike hike those hips up while I'm already on all fours sounds great (laughs) that's so funny okay I will try and do that um I forgot where I was going with this. Um, I had another question um, about yoga and just for people who who are avid gym goers. I know that a lot of athletes are turning to yoga as not necessarily sort of like physical therapy, but just like stretching and maybe a bit more restorative. And I know this is like so American, but a lot of baseball um, 
athletes do a lot of yoga and I don't know if it's because like the twisting of like your back or something um but it's like this very big thing that a lot of um athletes are trying to yoga is that something that if you are like a heavy lifter you do like crossfit or weightlifting or whatever it is um do you think adding in yoga to your overall like exercise routine is beneficial or even for like runners yeah no absolutely it's I mean it's a very least it's a form of recovery and it's a form of mobility work which for a lot of sports is you're focusing on your either your cardiovascular performance if you're a runner or your um strength if you're sort of doing more of your sort of resistance type training and the thing that often gets missed is that mobility or flexibility side of things and I mean, if you're a really heavy lifter, you maybe don't want to be super mobile in the shoulders. Just, you know, you'd probably be, you know, big, big, deep shoulder stretch right before you try and do push a barbell over your head. That might be a little bit risky, but for recovery, you know, it doesn't even have to be super intense, but just to sort of some form of finding that bit of mobility, whether it's more of the sort of dynamic active form. So in vinyasa, you're kind of more or less continually moving or if you're doing yin, that's those long held poses, um, which can get quite intense because you're sort of there in you know an uncomfortable position for potentially five minutes. Or if you're just tired out, if you're training super intense, maybe you just need something like restorative where it's like there's a little bit of mobility built in there, but it's mostly actually having an hour just to flop essentially <laughs> and get a little bit, get a little bit of movement in there just for any stiff areas. But yeah, very much just for bringing that parasympathetic nervous system back down again um yeah no I mean there'll be slightly different types I mean I think especially for running there's always yoga classes for runners and cyclists there almost every studio I think I've seen in has had at least a course if not a regular class for that um and then they can just target the sort of areas where you're likely to be stiff or you're likely to benefit from sort of some of the small strength sides of yoga just to help you you know perform better and recover better for whatever your sport is yeah, I really do feel stretching is so underrated. Mm, so underrated. Yeah. You can, you know, you can build it in for your warm up. You know, it doesn't have to be yoga, yoga. It could just be mobility at the start of your session. Yeah, just and for a few minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, my general recommendation, I mean, this will vary slightly, but is if you're doing anything before your sport, probably keep it a bit more dynamic, not too deep. Um, and then that way you're not, you know, you're not getting your muscles into a state where they can't build any strength yeah, or hold yeah. and then use those longer holds for afterwards when you're trying to sort of release lactic acid build up you're trying to stop mm. everything from being tight when your muscles start to sort of rebuild and recover yeah that's a really good tip yes yeah. i love that i definitely need to do more stretching i just I just don't like it. I get bored. <laughs> I know I should do it. Sophie stretches all the time. I can't imagine my body without a stretch in the day. Like literally, even if it is just for a few minutes, I just, and if I, you know, I'm not doing a workout that day because I always stick to low impact Pilates style anyway, but which usually does come with a stretch. So if I've just been like walking and haven't done a class, I literally I'm just like on my kitchen island like stretching myself out because I just I don't know I just my body's like stretch me please like I don't know it's weird (laughs) but Barry obviously doesn't have that at all (laughs) no literally not at all I I so remember sorry when you said to me once you were like 
I, I think we like likened you to a limp piece of asparagus on the sofa because you were like I'd just be so happy on the sofa all day all day I just like mold <laughs> myself into the kitchen uh, into the cushions and then you like can't see me I'm just like literally just like flopped over um but the only stretch I will do is like a you know like the kneeling lunge for your hip flexors that's like the only thing that I do because I have like world's tightest hip flexors um and that the more reason to stretch (laughs) yeah that's the one that like I I actually probably do probably most days to be honest just like oh there you go yeah I I you don't real I don't realize that I do it but I actually do but yeah just I I love yoga but it's one of those things that I I benefit more from classes than doing it at home I just feel like um, mm. I like going to yoga class. I can get into it, but I just feel yeah. like the atmosphere at home, I just don't get that same like sense of whatever it is. I get what you mean. I feel like we need to arrange a forking wellness like event day. Yes. And have our lead a yoga class. 100%. Your voice is also very soothing. I feel like um, yeah. that comes with being a yoga teacher. Like that calming. Calming. Um, clearly I'd be a terrible yoga teacher <laughs> all right guys now <laughs> downward dog now <laughs> you're like the most aggressive yoga teacher in the world it's that kind of quick it's all much more brisk okay next pose next pose next pose so it's you know all different styles <laughs> that's so funny but yeah I I feel like that would be like the dream to as soon as things open up definitely kind of a forking wellness event retreat um and I'd love to take one of your yoga classes so yes definitely on the cards amazing thank you so much Elle for sharing everything I feel like even if someone's listening who you know they think yoga is not their thing you've definitely opened up a different perspective well thank you so much for having me yeah I'd love to have anyone in my yoga class I always enjoy me well obviously having friends come to classes and also meeting faces is always lovely Amazing. amazing where can everyone find you to learn a bit more about what you do so both my instagram handle and my website is just enlivening l which l is spelled e l l e um, at the moment, I'm temporarily not teaching just because uh, studios are still shut and things. So if, you're, if um, I'm just sort of doing privates and corporate classes at the moment, but hopefully that will change very soon. But if you are in the Leeds area, do double check just in case I'm teaching again. But yeah, otherwise, my website and my Instagram have got sort of all my little videos and articles on both nutrition and yoga. Amazing. We'll put all of that in the show notes. And Elle... Um runs the forking wellness instagram page at the moment she's doing an incredible job um you know the forking wellness team is growing and we are so grateful because it is something barry and i are so passionate about but it's extra time and we both have full-time jobs so l is a huge help in putting all the content out there so go follow that yeah well thank you so much and we'll catch up with you guys soon Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. 
And share with your friends if you love this episode. It really does help us get seen in the chart. You can now also order our Forking Wellness book anywhere books are sold. Order it on Amazon Prime for next day delivery. And Barnes & Noble in America. And if you love the book, we would so appreciate a review on Amazon. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.